Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, here we are yet again. Dave, we are here, man. I am so excited. I'm so excited about every podcast. I'm excited about this one. I'm extra excited because I, I think Kiki Latayan is the a person that I've known probably more than anybody else since 2000, I think eight or nine, somewhere in there. I mean, she's one of my longtime friends. So I'm excited to, for us to have her on the program today. Kiki, who you know longer, Dave or, I mean, Dave, Dave or me? Tom or uh, me? Who have you known longer? <laughs> Dave or me? Wait a second. Is this a trick yeah, question? Yeah, me or me? Yeah. Me or Dave? I I, that's really hard. I, I am not sure. Time. It's been a long time. Yeah. All right. Let's, we'll suffice. Tom, Tom and I get a little competitive here. I beat you like by a day, Dave. One day. Uh, okay. So, so listen, we have Kiki Latalian here who um, is a, an entrepreneur, I think, at heart, if that's fair to say. And, and a big part of, of this uh, podcast, Kiki, is marrying the concept of association execs with entrepreneurship. And, and uh, of course, I represent the voice of the entrepreneur. Tom represents the voice of the association exec. And so a lot of our conversations are centered around uh, looking at the association world with a little more of an entrepreneurial lens than uh, than the traditional association conversations happen. So that's why we're here today. And I think that makes you a nearly perfect guest for this. You have Kiki, have you ever actually been an association exec? Oh yeah, yeah. I started out working for associations way back in the day. Who, and, who, be, before I even introduce you, who was that? Who'd you work for and what, what was your role there? So several, so Parenteral Drug Association, the American Red Cross National Headquarters, and then I worked for the Optical Society, which is now rebranded within the past year as Optica. And I still keep in contact with a lot of the, a lot of the board members and executive leaders that, that were there all the way back then. And and now that's been quite a, quite a while back, Dave. (laughs) I like Octica, by the way, it sounds like uh, a villain in a Marvel movie. Oh, it does. It's really cool. It's such a great organization. And um, I worked at building communities there. uh, And I, I guess my official title at the time, I actually don't remember my official title at the time, but um, I worked in the membership marketing area and I was responsible for building out their chapters and local sections. And so I, I had a lot of travel, which was wonderful because I was younger then. And, and that was, you know, before I even had my child who is turning 14 tomorrow. So, wow. you know, like that was a long time ago, but it was great. And I had a chance to to meet and build build groups all over the world. And that was also at the beginning of social media. So I had a chance to begin experimenting with building some of the first virtual chapters online. And so there were a lot of lessons that I had from that that I've sort of taken with me over time. Well, not to set expectations too high, but this makes you the perfect guest for for uh, this this podcast. So let me, let me uh, introduce you. And this is not a formal, it's a very informal structure if you, you can't tell already. But you, your background is, is almost entirely centered around this concept of building communities, which mm-hmm. is the topic for today. 
And less so, last week I think we had Ben Muscolino, I'm not sure if that was last week or two weeks ago, but we had Ben Muscolino on talking about uh, the actual software, community software and the role it plays with associations um, from a more technical perspective. But where, where, where we want to focus on with you is this, this conversation of building trust and building a sense of community among your constituents. And what gives you a little bit of credibility around this is your work as a consultant with uh, a senior consultant with Tecker International, mm -hmm. uh, which is a management consulting firm for associations where you focus on trust and community within the governance and volunteers and so on. Uh, you also have your own consultancy called Amplified Growth, where your, your focus is around personal communications, consulting. And again, it, it seems to be very centered around this theme of, of uh, of community, you know, SEO branding and, and general community building. And then you have this, uh, is it fair to say, what, what would you call association chat? Like, a, it, that's not, I mean, it's not, a, it's, it's kind of like Tom and me doing this podcast. It's for you, I think it's a side hustle, right? It's a little gig that you like to do for fun, right? I mean, I kind of, but then I feel like a gig that you do for fun I, after it crosses the 10 year mark. I think it's like, I think it's like turning, well, it started in 2009. So I feel like if it becomes old enough to like, you know, cross double digits that at that point, maybe you have to start calling it something else. Right. You know. So <laughs> like, what, I don't know what we call it, but association <laughs> chat has had many lives more than yeah. a cat, I think. And it's, it started on Twitter where you had a Twitter stream and conversation over Twitter, which is really cool, especially back in the day when Twitter was practically brand new, yes. at least to associations. And anyway, since then, it's, it's now a podcast. Uh, would you consider it to be a podcast first and foremost? Or like, I'm, no, I'd like you to I've describe what association chat is. Because yeah, I'm not I doing mean, it justice. I mean, I have to say, first and foremost, it's a community because the activity, the real activity happens on the private Facebook group every day. And it happens whether I'm there or not. Um, and that is that. So so I can take a hiatus from recording a podcast and interviewing folks and association chat still over here kind of running around doing its own thing. So I would say community first and then improbably second podcast. And how can people that are not familiar with association chat, how would they go to learn more about it? Where can they go um, sign up for that? Oh, well, you could look up the most, if you're active on Twitter, you could definitely go with the most pornographic sounding hashtag ever, Asin chat, which is still <laughs> active and being used I every didn't day. say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never noticed that. What yes. else? You've That's never everybody, noticed. Everybody recognized ass and chat when it came ass out. Ass and chat. I mean, I really thought about having swag for a while that's just across, like having boxer shorts and across the back, it's just having the hashtag ass and chat. I feel like maybe VIP members or something need to get that sort of thing. That's great. Yeah. And so, so start on Twitter. Uh, there's a Facebook group. And associationchat.com. Just go to associationchat.com and, and that links it all together. Um, YouTube channel, all this stuff. Okay. So when I, Dave, what I loved about Association Chat when it first started, you know, when Kiki, when I got introduced to Kiki and, and our friendship just boiled over and so many memories at ASA conferences, um, just, you know, so many cool things. And so every day, at, every Tuesday at 2 p.m., you could count on, all right, guy, gang, question one. And she would ask a question and all this feed would start to happen. And it was like, 
I could be so productive in my office, but yet carry on this conversation and learn. You know, everybody gave a lot and you gained a lot because you it was the capital encapsulation of a lot of uh, knowledgeable people. Talk about just basic day to day stuff, especially because that was right when communities were beginning to really become big. And we're all trying to go in unnavigated territory. And so it kind of gave you an opportunity to speak in real time without having to. It was the first real opportunity when people actually figured out I can actually talk to people and not be at a conference and get a lot of takeaways from this. Uh, You know, hats off to Kiki, who just was an innovator back then, way before his time. And just took community to a new level every every day when we would get online two o'clock on Tuesdays with Twitter. <laughs> well, so it, but in our podcast, I think this is worthy of mention. Uh, Kiki's had some like huge names, like names that you need to pay tens of thousands of dollars to to get at conferences. And uh, she's just calling and saying, "Hey, hey, Seth, you want to you wanna join me on the show?" That's Seth Godin. It's not quite like that. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Hey, hey, Seth, bro, what's going on? It's hey, Kiki. Man. Yeah. It's Kiki. Yeah. Hey, uh, can I join you? Can you join me on the show? Near Ayel, uh, Alan Gannett, Gannett. Uh, some of these names, forgive me for for butchering. Uh, Rupert Reed, uh, Rada. Uh, 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 Rada and Mickey uh, Agrawal. Agrawal, yeah. Thank you. And uh, I mean, some some of these I've heard of, some I haven't. But I think if you look into some of these names, you're going to see they're quite accomplished people. Mm-hmm. So with that, can you let, let's just start this conversation about community? Can explain what it is when you say I build communities. Explain what you mean by that. Mm, um, I think. I help to identify ways to cultivate community and sustain it so that they will thrive over the long haul. And what I mean by that is that over the years, you know, in in building chapters, first building chapters for associations and then helping organizations begin online communities. Um, people have come to me and said, what, what is the thing that makes some communities fail? I mean, that was the question that I used to get all the time is, well, we started one, but it didn't work. Why? And that actually led me to try to figure out, well, what is it exactly? What is the magic mix, the, the recipe that makes some of these things work? And what is the thing that makes them fall apart? And no matter what answer I would come up with as far as you know, and there, there's a, there's pretty much a a reliable recipe that you can create for how to make sure that something works. But if you have this one problem and it can manifest in different ways, it will, it will dissolve and make any associate or any associate, any community fail. Okay. And that one thing is a trust issue. If you have a lack of trust, And that can manifest in a number of different ways. Usually it comes down to competence or character. And if they just, if you have people who distrust your character, which will show up like, I don't believe in your intentions. I don't believe that you're going to do things, good things with my data. I don't believe in why you created this, this group. I don't believe, you know, that you have my good interest at heart those things will lead to a distrust in character and it will lead to a distrust in the community and it will fail. Eventually it will fail. The other thing is uh, competence. 
the other areas of a lack of trust. And that will be, I don't think that you know what you're doing. I don't think that you're going to be here when you say you're going to be here. I don't think you're going to support this over the long haul. I don't believe that this community is going to continue. And that's what happens when people show up and they don't see anything happening. And it's just sitting there and somebody says, I have a thriving community. And they show up into your Facebook group or your private community and they don't see anything active for the past like month. They're like, you, that's a lie. You know, it's not a thriving community if there's nothing happening there. And that, that can lend itself to a lack of trust and competence that you don't know how to, to navigate, manage, and sustain active community um, for the long haul. And so usually what I found over time is that every complaint, people will never tell you when they're leaving your community, why did you leave? Well, I got busy and other stuff. Why did you leave? Ah, da, da, da. They never say, oh, because I, I don't trust you. Yeah, or I don't trust the community. But usually if you dig deeper, it comes down to that. And when you say the word community, are, are we talking about um, you know, a community being like membership in the association? Are we literally talking about a um, Hierologic community, a Brizio community, a uh, Facebook page community? Well, so I, I was talking about specifically about like online community and like having a Brizio or a Facebook community. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that a lot of times those things really do carry over into your interpersonal relationships in real life. Like, I think that, um, you know, it's not a zero sum game with, and you guys know this because we're friends and, you know, all of us are connected on social media in between times when we have a chance to see each other. But it's like, it shouldn't just be online with your community. Ultimately, we're people, we're humans. We want to be in person too. So online and on ground, you know, in person, those things should augment each other. And um, I do believe that a lot of the same things that can tear at the trust within a community online are the same things that can tear at the trust in a community on ground, in person, you know. So. so when you talk about building community, Kiki, I'm always interested in hearing from someone's perspective on how should associations go about building that community? Because, you know, many, many of us, many of, especially if you're in the manufacturing or, or you represent business owners and that's who your members are, you know, they're busy the moment they get in the office, especially now with the labor shortages, they, they don't have time. They're not sitting at their desk and see who's talking and see what they're talking about. Most of them are banging it away at the plant floor and the shop floor. And so it's, I think it's a challenge. I've always said that there's two ways, two types of communities. There's the uh, Starbucks community, which is like Facebook and LinkedIn. There's some emotions built around that. People actually go out there to see. And then there's the public library, which is your typical trade association or society uh, community, because people go in when they need something or want to post mm -hmm. and they leave. They don't mm -hmm. come running in with coffee going, let me go see what the industry is saying today. So <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a challenge when you represent businesses or people in business at any level because you're just not spending time in the private community. They, they go out there to get something when they want it. So any suggestions for the listeners out there as to, you know, how can you how can you turn that needle and get people's interest to be in your community? Yeah, totally. OK, so this is a really great point because 
Um, you know, we all want community, but depending on your situation, and it, and it depends on uh, the different industries we serve, and we know there's an association for everything. So it could be like, you know, there, I saw that there was a uh, an association the other day for, um, for uh, rodeo clowns. So I was like, rodeo, like, so rodeo clowns, they have their association, their day-to-day -day life is very different, I imagine, from the NTI strong, you oh, know, like those, those folks day-to-day. -day. And so, so when you have people who really can't spend a lot of time going to online communities, but they want something there when they need it, right. that's where, that's where your, your um, high touch, you know, that's where the, the, um, personal, how am I helping them connect to other valuable relationships within this organization so that they're going to get value out of it? That's where that stuff becomes really, really important because it may not be something where they want to go and have a Twitter chat every week, but it may be something where they're looking for valuable resources. They want something that they can use, that they can immediately put into practice. If they know that you're going to be giving them something that is valuable, they're going to go there so that they can download that checklist, that they can download that white paper, that they can download whatever it is that's going to help them to do what they need to do. And so it doesn't always look the same for everyone. But I think that what we learned, a lot of us have learned, um, is that even for those organizations where the members aren't online all the time, oh my gosh, once once we had the pandemic hit, a lot of us got for we were forced to to be inside or figure out how are we connecting when we can't be in person. And so at that point, it became necessary to really think about, okay, if we couldn't meet in person, how would we end up helping to make those connections for folks? How would we still allow them to connect with each other? And the thing that I think that um, a lot of organizations, not just associations, but a lot of organizations have gotten wrong, community builders have gotten wrong over the past I mean, since the beginning has been when we focus too much on growing the community and we focus less on connecting people within the community. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how are you connecting the people with each other? You know, early on, I realized people don't necessarily want to hear from me. They are, this, that's not association chat. I mean, like I help bring people resources or interesting people. I help bring people together. But if I don't encourage conversation between other people, between themselves, then I fail because I'm only so interesting as one person can possibly be. Um, it's not about me. It's about how am I helping them connect with each other and get value? And if I fail at that, then I've, I've failed completely. And, um, you know, then, any person that's not interested in that element goes away. The loyalty to Kiki goes away. The loyalty to MTI goes away. The loyalty to any organization. It has to be about connecting people to each other. And once they are able to see the value in connecting with other important people that will help them um, build social capital and things like that, then that's where the magic happens, I think. I think that's where the real value is. So, so Kiki, how do, what is the, I have two questions here, um, and I want to get them both out before Tom jumps in with one of his. Number one, uh, what is the best way to measure success 
in a community because a lot of this stuff is rather abstract and anecdotal like are generally like uh, I don't know there's so I'm curious what metrics how do you help people measure success number one number two is what are some steps to improving those metrics or maybe it's a brand new community how do you kick off a community and emphasize trust it's such again talk about abstract the word trust is a pretty abstract word so help me with that yeah well so first of all i have ways that i have uh ways to not just measure where you are with trust now but how you can actually actively work to build and cultivate trust over time and then measure and and then do these measures along the way and i talk about some of that in like CEO symposiums and stuff. But to answer your first question, uh, how do you measure success with, with community? Well, so it depends on uh, what it is that you're trying to achieve. For some people, they're really trying to achieve um, growth in volunteers. They're thinking about like, for associations, they're thinking about um, how are we building a better onboarding to our leadership? We're trying to diversify and bring in younger people. We're trying to um, have a more inclusive um, leadership body and volunteers. How are we cultivating that? Other things I hear from associations, we want to increase engagement, which is like the, I mean, that's another amorphous word, which is like, what does that mean for associations? Yeah. But we've, we've had episodes talking about just yeah. that. Like, what, and in fact, I, not only in Association Strong, but I did a panel webinar with Reggie um, and one of our clients and answering exactly that question, what is engagement? Talk about abstract, yeah. like what is engagement? <laughs> Everybody has their own definition of what is considered to be engaged. They do. That's true. They do. Um, but, you know, a lot of times what they really mean by engagement means that it's people who are interacting in a way where they're having conversations or they're buying, you know, more products or education. The fuzzy and line, so, man. Yeah, yeah. So you have to dig in, of course, and ask more questions and get more curious and say, what is it that you're really trying to achieve? So you can figure out what those measures should be, how you're, how you're measuring any of it. I um, love that answer, Kiki, about the, it depends on what their initiatives or their goals are. And oftentimes those goals are set at the beginning of the fiscal year. This is what, as an association, we're pursuing these are the changes these are the th these are the things that we're going to be focused on this year and oftentimes the board and leadership comes up with that and disseminates it down to the people right and then the people in the organization are responsible for incorporating that into their day-to-day -day operations um it, and and uh but those are the things that drive our goals i love that what happens in our world so propul oftentimes a big uh, element of this is is uh, trying to engage people through email better right by asking questions and and so oftentimes our clients want to use these these metrics that have nothing to do with the reason why they're focused on a particular campaign so they want to know well how do i measure success and everybody says open rates one of the worst metrics ever <laughs> In, yeah. in measuring success is an open rate, by the way. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Somewhere in the middle is click-through rates. Uh, the mm -hmm. best way is exactly what you said. What is your goal with that campaign? Mm -hmm. 
based on your goal, then we can determine what best measures success. But the, right. the problem is that's more work. Yes. Right? It's, it's harder. always more work. It's harder. Yes. And, yes. and so we, we, we all want to find the easy answer. I but know. the easy answer is usually less valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, you could choose to rely on something like vanity metrics and stuff, and you can cheat and you can do all kinds of ways to make that, to, to like make those numbers happen, but they mean nothing. The only way you win is to actually really ask the hard questions. What is it you're trying to achieve? And then to look at how effective have you been? And oftentimes, I hate to say it, especially you and you, you know, because you're dealing with technology all the time. Even with technology, a lot of times it comes down to us having to do the hard work of figuring out how did this actually translate to something that's been successful or not successful and how do we adapt and then change what we're trying to do so that we are successful. And those are not fun. That's not a fun thing to say because we want everything to be automated. But unfortunately, yes, we still have to work. I mean, I think at our core, everyone just has this lazy person that's really, really trying hard to stay inert and not doing anything. And then if we really want to succeed, we have to push past that in all things. You that's know? so funny. Yeah. It, and, and then it comes down to uh, how you manage. That's why we always when people say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. So busy. It's because <laughs> because of that. And we're trying to figure out where do we dedicate our time with technology? You raised an interesting point. I remember. Oh my gosh, 25 years ago, implementing Siebel systems. You remember Siebel from back in oh the day, gosh. a CRM for corporations and sales teams. And, um, and what I learned back then was that change management was mm -hmm. the key to whether or not a implementation was going to succeed. It wasn't the technology that determine success or how well it was implemented or the integrations. And I think the same is true today. Uh, the, and, but people don't want to put money or time into the change management aspects. They want to plug in something and, and then turn it on when actually managing people and process is probably more important than managing the integrations of technology, or at least as important. But we yeah, don't. But, put... but when you manage integration of technology, it doesn't fire back. I hate change. When you manage people, mm -hmm. they fire back. Why are we doing that? We've mm -hmm. all done it over here. Why are we yeah, doing it? Over shut up here? and do it. That's that's what that's oftentimes our approach is. Shut up and do it. Like, it doesn't matter why. Right. Just do it. Like and we push it on our members and we push it on our employees and we're like, look, it doesn't matter. We're doing it. That's what we said. And that's See, unfortunately that's, that's poorly executed change management. Well, that's what I love about what, you know, and, and again, this isn't a big platform for property, but that's what I love about the technology you're bringing to the table because you're bringing technology to the table that's allowing associations to get a member buy-in, employee buy-in, because you're facilitating a way for people to break questions down in a meaningful way that can get to, okay, what's next step? And when you listen to the people you ask the question, do the next step they felt as a majority was important. Then you get buy-in. You don't have that pushback as much. So, you know, hats off to creating 
new innovative ways for us to be able to do that in the association space. I love that too. I think, you know, that is such a great aid in creating that buy-in along the way so that one of the biggest complaints I hear from clients is that, especially in the work that I do with Tecker, is there's this concern right now that, that members aren't heard. And it's like, how do we get, how do we capture the member's voice? And a key component is breaking, breaking those important questions down and making people feel like they have, I mean, perception is what is in most people's minds. You know, it doesn't matter almost if it's true or not. I mean, it does, but, but it's like, if they have the perception that what they think or what they want or what they say isn't being heard and it doesn't matter, that's a real problem. And so if you give them that ability to weigh in, you know, that's, that's not, I mean, that's half of the struggle. And the other half is to let them know, okay, what have we done with that information? You know, like, how have we taken what you've given us? We've listened and this is how we're taking what we heard and then applying it to whatever problem X, right? And that is where you're closing the loop and going back and saying, you know, we're paying attention on purpose. We're actively, proactively going after this information. And then here's what we've done with it. And when you're able to do that, then people feel like they have been heard and that there's something being done. You know, a big, huge problem that in any community too, is what's the progress that that's been made, you know? I mean, when you work in the association industry, you're working with associations. A lot of them have been around for over a hundred years and it's easy for someone to think, you know, especially if they've been involved for a while to look around and say, Hey, what is it we're trying to do? And how are we like, are we chipping away at the goal? Like, this is our mission. Are we really achieving it? And these are our strategic goals, but where are we in the process? And if we're not figuring out ways to report back, like this is the progress that we've made, this is what's happened, then we're failing. And I actually, that's an area of weakness for me in my own association, like not association, my own community, because I think, ah, People feel like, you know, they, they're connecting. I see that there's success in the connection. It's gone along this long. They're doing really well. Um, I've done over 60 interviews in 2000, you know, in last year. And what year are we in? So 2021, I did over 60 interviews. And it's like, um, clearly they know I've been busy, you know, and, and that we've, we've put some good stuff out. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't do the summary thing that said, this is all of the stuff that happened. These are all of the conversations that happened. Here is how what you did and the conversations you had made a difference by participating in this community. Now, how much stronger is that, right? By putting that together. And that's just, I mean, that's what we have to do when we're thinking about whether it's an association, whether it's an online community, it's how are we showing that what they're doing with their time and that they're giving us or anyone, how they're, how the time that they're giving to a community is paying off. What's the progress being made? And when somebody's having to figure out okay, am I going to spend a little bit more time exercising? Am I going to spend a little bit more time at church? Am I going to spend a little bit more time with my family? Am I going to spend this next hour 
listening to your podcast or, or messing around in the community and learning something and connecting with people, this is what they're doing. This is the internal math that's going on. What am I getting out of it? And if you're not figuring out a way to communicate that, you know, this is why you're here and this is what you're getting, then people are probably going to say, I don't know if this is worth my time. With them. W-I-F-F-M. What, what's in it yeah. for me, right? Yeah, totally. Well, you know, one of the big things I, I've, and sitting on some boards I've sat on and being a part of some strategic plans, one of the just statements that always make me cringe in the middle of that is when someone says, you know what, I think we need to figure out who we are. Ah. Like, this, yes. this, 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 this is an organization that's been around for 20, 30, some of them 50 years. And somebody stands and says, I think we need to figure out who we are. It's like, why don't you go ask the community who they would like you to be? Mm-hmm. You know, what do they want? What do they need? But I mean, for... And usually when you get down to trust, the bottom two thirds doesn't trust the top two thirds who tip or the top third because they typically are the ones sitting on the board. Why? Because they're doing functionally and financially well enough to sit on the board and can get away from the business for two or three days for board meetings. Mm-hmm. But they're not asking the bottom two thirds, what do you think? They're just making decisions based upon what they think, yes. which tends to be more progressive stuff because they're the businesses that can do it. But I mean, if you can, I've always had the attitude, if you can help the bottom two thirds thrive and and be vibrant organizations it makes the whole go bigger and, and stronger you're abs- i i totally 100% agree i mean i think that and that's i think that's why i've worked on a couple of projects this past year that the whole point is trying to deal with a problem like that where it is it's really, I don't want to call it the bomb two thirds, but yeah, it's not the people in the leadership position. It's the, it's the other members who don't feel heard. And there's this sort of cultural clash within the membership. And if they don't trust that the people who are in governance and who are volunteering, they feel like it's clicky or something like that. There's a real problem. And, and, the re- the thing that's so frustrating is that we have all of these different tools. I mean, look at prop fuel, look at, we have all these different tools that will allow people to feel like, and not just feel, but actually really actively have a way to bring in their voice, to drive conversation and decisions that are made for an organization to help lead into new directions. If that needs to be the case and to weigh in. And yet a lot of organizations aren't opening that up. And that's where we hear about there being clicks. And that's where we hear about, you know, the old white guys network. And that's where we hear about that kind of stuff because people don't trust it. And they want to feel like they have a stake in the game or at least a shot, you know? And, And I think that the way that you fight that, you hear a lot of people talk about transparency. And I think that that's, that is, um, that's easy to say. But if my daughter, and I love Margot and she's a good kid, but if my daughter at almost 14 hands me her phone and allows me to look through it, that's transparency. But do I trust that I'm seeing everything I need to see on it? No, that's not trust just because I have access. What trust is, is trust is the belief that she's being open with me that the intentions are, that, that our expectations are clear and that I'm seeing what I need to see and that there's not something being hidden from me. And if people have transparency to a dashboard, that's not enough. 
because that doesn't mean that you have trust. Transparency does not equal trust. Transparency can lend itself to trust. But um, that I think that people sometimes, again, it's like, I want to check the box and say that I've done what I need to, to cultivate trust within my organization or my, my community, but they do this in the most transactional way that means nothing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's checking a box, but it doesn't mean anything. There's a huge difference between transactional relationships and uh, emotional, for lack of a better word, relationships. And and there's a lot of talk in the industry about, and this, especially when you start talking about what is engagement, um, you know, buying stuff, uh, yeah. check clicking on things, checking uh, or going to a webinars or events, that's fairly transactional. The question is, how do you measure an emotional connection? Mm-hmm. And that's really, really difficult to do, yet it's the thing that is probably most likely to get somebody to renew, right? It's that emotional connection to the organization. So Kiki, we're, we're running short on time. I have one more question for you. If, um, what, what is one of the things that you see when working with associations that um, our listeners could take back as like an action item. Like what's a problem that you see in many, many organizations that somebody could take out of this podcast and say, you know what, that's something I want to work on. Gosh, you should warn me before you ask a big no, question. No, like we need, that. this is, this is full transparency, man. We oh gotta, my gosh. Let me, let me, let me throw a nugget out there and see if Kiki runs with this. So my personal opinion to build trust, people need to see you. They need to connect with you. And in this digital age, I can remember when we first started our MTI TV, my, my, I, we did that because I was replacing a CEO who'd been here 31 years. And to, begin, to come after that person and try and build trust, connection with members in 40 states, it's like, I got, I got to do this on video. And so we started doing an online video. And what was cool is when I'd walk through the plants, people go, man, there's that guy that's on the video screen. <laughs> So I, it helped me understand that I think that every association, you'd be surprised, I bet you less than 1% has an association style MTI Live TV thing going on. So Kiki, I'd like you to kind of real quick unpack you, your thoughts on the importance of, of, I've told associations, just pick a vibrant person who's good on their feet on camera and start a 30 minute to 45 minute talk show, just like we do with key people in your industry to build that connection and transparency. So is that something you could kind of run with if you had association chat for so long? I mean, absolutely. So there's, um, I actually just met someone who uh, employed the same thing. And of course, if you have somebody in your organization that is, that does have a great uh, relatable uh, communication style that can go on video, that is amazing. Or even on audio so that you have, the ability to connect with them human to human right? so that if you don't have the ability to be there in person or you're trying to cultivate that relationship in between when you start or when you're, when you're communicating with them and can be there in person, trying to give people um, a little bit more help in figuring out the human the humanness behind an organization is so important. And I met someone from, um, so two, two different people I met very, like two within two weeks of, of like our talking today. 
Um, I met Brent McClendon. I'm going to go ahead and shout his name um, from the National Wooden Pallet and Container Association. And Brent McClendon, we had a conversation. Um, I'm looking at his car and this is why, because I like wrote, he's a great example of trust transforming an association. Um, talked with him, did the same sort of thing where he went in and on purpose was cultivating this presence so that it would be relatable to the people that he was working with within the association. They needed a voice. They needed somebody, um, they needed to be better at cultivating these relationships that they could believe in. And he said it completely transformed his association. And then I talked with the CEO of the Turnaround Management Association. We had probably a two hour conversation um, about how he had created a radio show, Tom. It's the same sort of idea. It was a mm. podcast, but it's audio podcast. Guy has a great radio voice. I mean, really, it was, I listened to two episodes when I went back to my room. And, um, and it was fun. It was something where people felt like they knew what was going on. It was relatively short to listen to. I mean, it was like within 30 minutes, right, of uh, the format of the show. But he did this, he created this as a way to connect with people because not everybody knew him. Not right. everybody knew what was going on. And he needed right. to have that sort of let's build this relationship in between. And it worked. And you shouldn't be, you're not surprised because you know it works. I know it works. Dave know it works. So, so, so um, that's, those are two people that I could say are perfect. If anybody wants to connect with anyone and it's not Dave or Tom or me, they can go and reach out to these other people in the association space and talk to them because I talked to them, you know, like it's been 10 days and you can go and talk to them about what they're doing and it's transformed their associations. So, you know, we uh, just had him on the podcast a, 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 like a month ago or so. Yeah. Who, 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 who? Brent McClendon. Oh, did you really? Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, that's so cool. He's amazing. He is. They, they've done some really cool stuff there. We have these certain segments, we call them innovative thinking and it's connecting creative ideas that lead to just very yes. big value proposition changes. And his association has done that. So he, I've known Brent for quite a while through the manufacturing world and he's amazing. I just, I just met him and we were at the reception. He came up and he said, you know, that thing you said about trust, you know, that is so true. And so he was at the CEO symposium and we had this really great conversation about, um, about the, uh, way that it's transformed his work in that area has transformed the association and very inspiring. So I'll have yeah. to go back and watch that episode. Well, that takes us, I think, Tom, to the conclusion here. Now, Kiki, the way this works is Tom and I will tell you one thing each that is a big takeaway for us. And uh, then you can jump in as well with what, what, is, what is something that you want to emphasize or something, a kind of an epiphany for you in, in the conversation today. So give that some thought. Tom, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, my big takeaway is just the whole trust thing. People need to see and hear from you and they want to know that you're, you're listening. So my big homework assignment for every listener out there that hears this, whether now or in the future, is start your own video program, call it something, find a vibrant personality, one lesson learned, and this is between me and Kiki as well, find someone who is good on their feet because back when Kiki was doing association chat with another type of Zoom technology, she went out for literally like seven minutes interviewing me and I just I saw her go black, I'm like, she's gone. And I just kept talking. Fortunately, she had somebody that loves to talk, but 
you need to have somebody that's good on your feet, but, you know, start your own video program online to draw your members in. So once a month, they get to see you with a couple experts. There's always big issues in any industry and you can connect in with good stuff that can help give practical takeaways to members on a, on a month, monthly, at least a monthly basis. And that trust will begin to happen over time if the information is good and, and hits them in their value proposition. Well, Tom, it was something you said for me that struck a chord for me in particular, and that is, who are we? Mm -hmm. You said like a lot of, or every now and then you see an organization wake up and before they can answer some of these critical questions, they have to answer that question of like, who am I? You know, my son is in Paris right now. He's 21. He's, he's exploring Paris and you know, there's, there's a lot of question marks about this trip and, and he's done day six and he's a little homesick. And, you know, so there's a lot of um, uh, questions out there that I'm sure he wants answered, but it all starts with who am I? Right. right? And, and it, just like an individual needs to answer that question when they're struggling and going through a challenging time, associations and, and companies like mine too, need to ask ourselves who am i in particular propul we're asking ourselves what problem are we solving exactly mm -hmm. and i the funny thing is like it's a really hard question to answer so that was a major takeaway for me is your question who are we mm -hmm. and of course that turns into a lot of different questions very specifically i think what that is, right. is what's what value are we creating here so kiki key takeaway from you mm -hmm. Um, I think that I think we, so we touched a little bit on some of the, the digital stuff and, and community building and we talked on uh, SEO and I think my challenge to everyone I like Tom's challenges to people my challenge to everyone is to try to optimize for trust this next week uh, no matter when you're listening to this sit down and think about what are some ways that I could cultivate trust on purpose through this next communication email call that I make with a member or board member. And just think about how you could optimize for trust, because if those people trust you more, it's probably going to be more valuable to you than if you got the right keywords in that email, right? So um, think about optimizing for trust for a change and see where that gets you. All righty, Kiki, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, association uh, chat.com? Um, yeah. com. Associationchat.com is a good place to go to get in touch with Kiki. All right, thanks so much. Kiki, thank you very much for being here today. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Oh my gosh, when are we vacationing again? <laughs> Somewhere soon. Yes, bye all, be safe. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.